When I'm having a good hair day, that's when I'm my best self. I feel good. I look great. And I will say, painting sulfate-free rose water collection is a part of that. The Rose Water Collection. It feels and smells amazing and comes with a deep treatment that leaves your hair petal soft. It was inspired by Ramadan traditions when many in the Middle East break the fast with rose water because of its hydrating benefits. And the collection is free of sulfates, parabens, dyes, and mineral oil. So experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. Hey everyone, I'm Stephen Hyden. And I'm Jordan Runtog. Join us as we unveil our new music podcast, Rivals. It's a look back at famous music rivalries of the past. Every week, Jordan and I will explore a new rivalry, delving into all the dirty details about our beloved musical icons who just can't seem to get along with their fellow legends. And then we'll debate each other about who deserves to have the upper hand in these classic conflicts. You'll remember the biggest beast from music history and hopefully become aware of some you didn't know. Join us on Rivals, a new podcast from iHeartRadio debuting on February 26th. Listen and follow on the the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Welcome to the podcast. This is Molly. And I'm Kristen. Kristen, I wanted to do a podcast on TMJ, a.k.a. Temporomandibular Joint and Muscle Disorders, Mm -hmm. because I feel like every woman in my life has this except for you. And I hope to give it to you by the time we're done. I don't think that TMJ is contagious, but go ahead. I think I'm causing enough stress in your life that I could trigger it. Molly, let's keep that off the podcast. (laughs) But uh, TMJ, as as we found out when we were researching this, it does affect women much more than men. Asterisk, unless women are just the ones seeking help for it more often. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, we've talked about on the pain podcast about how women are more sensitive to pain. So maybe they do go to the doctor for it. Or maybe there's a reason why our jaws cause us so much grief. And that's what we're going to dive into right now. So in case you aren't familiar with TMJ, the National Institute of Dental and Craniofacial Research defines TMJ as a group of conditions that cause pain and dysfunction in the jaw joint and the muscles that control jaw movement. Pretty general definition. And it affects over 10 million Americans, but possibly as many as 30 million Americans because the symptoms of TMJ are so wide-ranging and are associated with other illnesses that a lot of times it goes undiagnosed. So you might have TMJ and not even know it. And then there are those people who would say, but it's overdiagnosed, so, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have it, you really don't have it. Right, because TMJ first came into the limelight in the 80s, it was sort of the, the hot new, <laughs> the hot new disorder that everybody had, especially uh, Burt Reynolds, who I think was the Hollywood face of TMJ. Yeah, I think he was. Fun fact, folks. Fun fact we found out. Uh, and so there was concern, especially in the late 80s, that a lot of people were just, you know, they would come to the doctor, say they had a headache and lo and behold, they had TMJ. And then they were undergoing all this invasive jaw surgery, which today is very much frowned on. Uh, because when it comes to TMJ, actually the, the best remedy might be no remedy at all, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But I also think that one of the reasons why, uh, people think that it's, you know, overdiagnosed or maybe not even real, according to some researchers is because women are the majority of the people complaining of Mm -hmm. it. 
And because stress is one of the factors, uh, you know, there was one essay by a woman in the New York Times who was like, you know, doctors just tell you not to stress out. And that just stresses you out more because your jaw is not opening. And so I think that also the the hoopla around TMJ kind of is uh, interesting in terms of how we treat diseases that do affect women more than men. But first, I think we need to talk about the joint in question. Yes. The jaw joint, the temporomandibular joint, which I, I don't want to go out on a limb, but could it be my favorite name for a bone in the body? Maybe. Temporomandibular. Temporomandibular. <laughs> I think it just rolls off the tongue. Maybe I'm saying it wrong. Though. I don't know. Temporomandibular. It's not rolling off my tongue, but that's okay. Well, if it's a lot of work to say, it's because that joint does a lot of work. It does so many things. May I provide a delightful description of what this jaw, this, this jawbone does? I would, I would love it if you did that. Okay. This is from Susan Ferraro from the New York Times. This is not my own verbal brilliance, unfortunately. So this is what she says. The temporomandibular joint lies between the lower jaw or the mandible and the skull. It's wildly mobile, a hula dancing hinge that goes side to side, backward, forward, up and down. It can exert 650 to 1,000 pounds of force per square inch. It is so strong that, yes, folks, you can bite off your own finger. Don't try that at home, though. No. So, yes, that is a really a, an amazing description by Ferraro of this of this crazy little little joint that does so much in our mouths. I mean, think about all, I mean, like all the movement that your jaw can do. You, Chewing, yawning, right. talking. Exactly. I mean, it's moving around right now as I talk to you, Molly. I know. Our very moment. Our jaws are, are going today. Um, and when we open our mouths, the low, the rounded end of the lower jaw, that's called a condyle and it glides along the joint of that temporal bone. And basically this is why, uh, this joint is different than like uh, a knee joint or a hip joint is because not only is there the, uh, you know, the sort of the opening and closing of it, there's also sliding and mm-hmm. the, there's this disc that lies between um, the condyle and the bone. Like a pillow. Right. A pillow. And just like a pillow, you know, absorbs your head as you go to sleep every night, this little disc absorbs all the shock that your that that joint is enduring from talking, mm-hmm. from uh, yawning, from a really bad habit that I have, which is sitting at my desk with my uh, chin on my hand. I learned while researching this podcast that this is this is really bad. It can lead to TMJ. Really? Don't don't put your chin on your fist or your hand. But that's how I ponder. How I, else will I sit and ponder, Molly? I know that's how I ponder too. And and we are putting ourselves at risk of TMJ. And and we've got to be really careful of this of this delicate hula hoop jaw. And since that hula hoop is, is going around back and forth, up, down and sideways, since it is doing so much and is so strong, that's one reason why it can have such a diverse range of side effects. If something goes wrong in that hula hoop dance. (laughs) That's right. There are a few different ways that TMJ can uh, manifest itself. The most common way is just sort of pain in that area or immobility in that area, like your jaw won't open, uh, the clicking and popping that some people hear. While that isn't enough to say that you have TMJ, that can be a part of that that face pain you get in that area. People can also have internal derangement of the joint. That's when the disc gets displaced. Your jaw is deranged. Your jaw gets dislocated. Um, and then you can also have arthritis in that area when that area becomes inflamed. Mm-hmm. Interesting fact, though, that I learned, Molly, a lot of times people will associate grinding your teeth 
with TMJ, especially people who grind their teeth while they sleep. Mm-hmm. It might, they might be worried that, that they're on the road to TMJ. Actually not as strong of an association as we think it is. A lot of times people who grind their teeth do not have TMJ and people with TMJ don't grind their teeth because it would be far too painful. Yeah, it would hurt too much to have your jaw clenched like that. Now, tooth grinding, of course, is not, is not good for your teeth, but. And also caused by stress. And stress can be a big factor in TMJ mm-hmm. coming on. If you suffer a trauma to the head and, you know, it, your jaw gets knocked the wrong way, obviously that can do something. They used to think, um, along with grinding that a bad bite or, um, braces would lead to TMJ. Now that's really not a factor, just like the, the grinding thing. Um, and now they kind of don't know what causes it because, you know, let's say someone had a bad bite. They would do these, like Kristen said at the beginning, these invasive surgeries and nothing would get better. And so that's why the recommendation, as we'll see, is to do nothing. A lot of times experts today will say that a little bit of self-care and time will take care of the symptoms. So certain self-care practices doctors might recommend for TMJ would include eating soft foods. No bagels. Wanna, no bagels. No more bagels. Because they're, they're chewy. Mm-hmm. Applying ice packs to the, to the jaw, avoiding extreme jaw movements. So probably no, no shouting at sporting events. No gum. That's what would break my heart. I do love, do love some gum. And then reducing your stress level, learning how to relax your body, perhaps doing some yoga, some meditation, some breathing exercises. But you know, Kristen, having a lot of women in my life who I've seen have this it can be really frustrating to be told, hey, just relax and don't chew gum and this will be fine when your jaw won't open. I mean, how are you supposed to reduce your stress when you can't brush your teeth or you can't eat? So a lot of people then do start to investigate these more what the what the researchers are calling invasive methods, something like Botox, which has not been proven to uh, improve TMJ. But some people think that if you just, you know, stabilize, stabilize that area. It'll work. A lot of people uh, get a splint, which is actually proven to be somewhat helpful, an oral, you know, appliance that will bite guard that will just fit over your teeth and kind of hold your your bite in place. But don't get anything permanently rearranged, the doctors are saying. So in terms of treating TMJ, we know that it's incredibly hard to diagnose, but it's happening in a ton of people. We know that we shouldn't get these invasive surgeries, and it might go away on its own, but it might not. And you should avoid, you know, eat soft foods and things like that. But the biggest question, Molly, is how can you prevent it in the first place? Because a lot of the studies that we've been looking over about TMJ, and especially TMJ um, and as it affects women, are incredibly inconclusive because they are searching for some kind of hormonal link with TMJ, trying to figure that out. And they're still coming up with nothing. Right. Let's talk about a little bit of that research that they're doing on hormones and TMJ. One interesting thing that uh, some researchers found out is that in female baboons, there are estrogen receptors at the temporomandibular joint complex. So they think, hey, there's something about this this area of the, of the face. There's estrogen there. Estrogen might be doing something kind of funky. It might be... Uh, raising the chance that women will be affected by pain in that area. But all of the studies they do are really inconclusive. They'll do some where they'll have women uh, who are undergoing hormone replacement therapy. 
And those women do have a higher chance of having TMJ, but they can't trace it to whether it's the the hormones or not. So it's pretty frustrating because they just can't get a conclusion on what estrogen might be doing to the body. They've looked at cortisol, Mm -hmm. which uh, is affected in pain. And they do notice that women who have TMJ have slightly elevated cortisol levels at different types of the day than people who don't have TMJ. That could have something to do with it. And then another hormonal factor might be relaxin, which is a female hormone that uh, causes muscle relaxation during childbirth. And they're seeing that maybe people who have TMJ uh, have have weirder levels of that relaxin uh, than women who are just uh, not, not, not having pain in the jaw. But again, it's a big maybe. They still haven't figured it out entirely. But Everything's they, a big maybe. But, but they have figured out one predictor of TMJ. Kristen, I think this is the weirdest thing we've learned about in our entire time doing this podcast. Here we go, folks. Get ready for this. Chlamydia. (laughs) Chlamydia Chlamydia. has been linked with TMJ. Yeah, there was uh, a study. This is from 1998. So it is a little little dated. The doctors tested the tissue of 31 TMJ patients. Not a huge sample, study sample, but still. 31 TMJ patients, and 40% of the study patients who had TMJ came up, the tissue came up positive for traces of chlamydia. Yes. The bacteria that causes chlamydia is significantly more prevalent in patients with TMJ dysfunction than in the general population was the finding of these doctors. And so what they're saying is that the same bacteria that causes chlamydia can cause arthritis perhaps particularly at this point. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just another, I think, cautionary reason to get your annual pap smear, get tested, because if your chlamydia goes untreated, right, 10 years later, they're, they're hypothesizing you could have TMJ. Right, because there was another Johns Hopkins study that this article references where they were tracking 3,200 sexually active teenage girls and found that around 30% of them tested positive for chlamydia, but a lot of them had no idea. They were carrying it around for years, and they had no idea that it was uh, that it was in their bodies. And I would liken this potential chlamydia-TMJ connection, you know, this idea of chlamydia hanging out in your body untreated, and then lo and behold, you get TMJ 10 years later. It's like shingles, Molly. It's like you get the chicken pox. <laughs> You know, and you think it goes away, but no, it's just going to come back in the form of shingles, which is awful. And, um, yeah, I mean, chicken pox is a little, a little easier to get rid of than chlamydia. But again, yet another reason to play it safe, people, and get tested. And just because you have chlamydia doesn't mean you're going to get TMJ. Just because you have TMJ does not mean that you have chlamydia. We're not saying that the 10 million Americans out there walking around with TMJ are also chlamydia carriers. And that would be a dangerous stigma if it really caught on because, you know, like you said, TMJ already had this sort of, you know, hip disease uh, fallback position, uh, di- magic diagnosis. Uh, TMJ's got a lot sexier. <laughs> but you don't want people uh, scared to go see their doctor because people are going to be like, oh, gosh, yeah, chlamydia. Right. So it's a dangerous, it's, it's it's just something neat, I guess, but it is dangerous to be like, TMJ and chlamydia are the exact same thing. And uh, that's not going <laughs> to help your stress level if you're trying to reduce stress. And to sum up and yet not sum up TMJ, how about this recent... New England Journal of Medicine uh, tidbit, okay, um, from these Boston physicians 
who were writing on TMJ. They say that the cause is now considered multifactorial with biologic, behavioral, environmental, social, emotional, and cognitive factors alone or in combination contributing to the development of signs and symptoms of temporomandibular disorders. Hooray! So the doctors are like, hey, anything, anything goes. goes with your hula hoop joint. Yeah, it's just a hula hoop uh, luau in your mouth. <laughs> Who knows? So that's where we got to end it. That's what's known about TMJ, another disease that we've covered that affects women that no one seems to know about. <laughs> what's known and more importantly, not known. Uh, and we would love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you have lived with this, ways you found to manage it, uh, we'd love to know. And our email address is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. And let's read a few listener mails before we close this one out, Kristen. That's a great idea, Molly. I have one here from Sarah, and this is a listener mail about listener mail. Sarah writes, I was interested to hear the letters endorsing Accutane to treat acne. I myself took Accutane on and off from the time I was 13 to 17. While it did rid me of pesky acne, I was diagnosed this past year with irritable bowel syndrome. Given that you've provided the scoop on lady poop, I won't hesitate to discuss this with you. When my general practitioner diagnosed me, the first thing he asked was whether I had taken Accutane more than four years ago and told me there had recently been studies linking Accutane with IBS. And she attached one of the studies uh, for us. It was in Nature. And it's a pretty miserable disorder, as we've discussed. There is no cure, but it can be controlled with diet. I want to inform your listeners before they think Accutane is a miracle cure that it does have permanent side effects and to consider whether it's worth putting up with a few years of acne and not potentially risking a lifetime of discomfort. I got an email here from Nicole, and this is in response to our podcast on Home Ec. And she writes... I have always been a feminist. I'm college educated and always imagined myself as a career woman until I decided to become a stay-at-home mom. I guess I suffer from a sort of feminist guilt because of this decision and because I can say unequivocally that I enjoy being at home far more than I enjoyed being in the workforce. I derive a lot of pleasure from caring for my family by making meals, taking care of our house, doing the grocery shopping, etc. I've struggled with this because it sometimes feels so counter to the image of female empowerment. While I'm all for women pursuing careers and continuing to break the glass ceiling, I would also like to witness the disappearance of what I think is a stigma against women who decide to stay at home. Since I've been home, I've spent a lot more time reading about nutrition, learning about the effects of chemicals on a person's health, etc. I'm constantly applying this knowledge to what meals I cook, which cleaning products I use. I think these are aspects of taking care of a home that are often overlooked, and I think your podcast really highlighted the fact that we can have the study of home economics to thank for our modern understanding in areas like nutrition and child development. An excellent point, Nicole. So if you have any thoughts to share, again, our email is momstuff at howstuffworks.com. You can find us on Facebook as well. We'd love for you to head on over and like us if you like us. And you can follow us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast. And then finally, we have our blog that we update almost every single day. And it's Stuff Mom Never Told You at HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? So here's something that some of you might find shocking. 
95% of women don't feel good about their hair. But Pantene is changing that. Pantene's Rosewater Collection combats bad hair days with an innovative formula that uses rosewater derived from the petals and buds of the Rosa Gallica plant. With Pantene's Rosewater Collection, I can really feel how much more hydrated my hair is. And it's sulfate, paraben dye, and mineral oil-free, which makes me feel good because who needs all those additives? Experience something new and discover what's good with the Pantene Nutrient Blends Collection. This episode is brought to you by NBC's Good Girls. The new season of NBC's Good Girls is generating serious buzz. Christina Hendricks, Retta, and Mae Whitman are hilarious as America's favorite moms turned criminals. This show is the perfect blend of comedy, action, and romance. No wonder critics call Good Girls your next TV addiction. And Rotten Tomatoes rates it 100% fresh. Ooh, Good Girls, Sundays on NBC. The new season has already had some wild twists, so watch live. And stream anytime.